Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 130 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. I've had a couple of messages and emails this week from worried beekeepers inspecting their hives. Listen in for my suggestions and an update on the past week. Beekeeping Short and Sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm grateful to Honeypore Hives for sponsoring in part our podcast for this season. Honeypore Hives, as I'm sure you're aware, are Polly Langstroth Hives. Check out their range of hives and other equipment on their website, and I'll leave links to all of the websites in the show notes as usual. Honeypore Hives, designed by beekeepers for beekeepers. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're all safe and well, as here in the UK we seem to be heading back into a Covid dilemma again, and it looks likely more restrictions will be put in place. I do feel like I'm one of the lucky ones. I've been able to carry on my work pretty much unrestricted for this season, and beekeeping is so relaxing. Well, most of the time. At least the stresses of watching a swarm disappear over the hedge are long gone for another year for me, and yesterday I spent some time popping to apiaries, removing the first batch of treatments. It was a fantastic afternoon, the weather brightened up nicely, and although it was a bit windy, the warmth of the autumn sun was really quite pleasant. It's the time of year now when doing anything with the bees that involves removing the roof takes place after lunch for me. It takes a while for the day to warm up right now, and it won't be long before the benefit of the warming effect of the sun will really struggle against the chill of the long nights and cold days. Time then to stop inspecting. I've had a few messages and emails recently asking for advice about colonies that appear to be queenless and what to do. Honestly, the majority of these emails are coming from beginner beekeepers who don't have any experience, and they're carrying out inspections way past the point that they really ought to be. Now, there will always be exceptions, and of course, I'm talking about inspections here in the UK, where for the most part, there's no need to inspect colonies from really the early part of September, really. As I say, there will always be exceptions, and these need to be judged accordingly. But if you're feeding bees and inspecting, you're going to see cells filled up with sugar syrup and probably little brood. Here again, I give a caveat that not all colonies are the same. And again, there will be exceptions, but we don't generally see this because most of us are not inspecting our bees now. If you were to open a colony and take a look, you're likely to see very little fresh brood, probably a lot of capped brood, but as this brood emerges, the bees are going to instantly backfill with stores. Now that might be sugar syrup if you're still feeding, or it might be something like ivy nectar if you have some of this in your local area. The bees will do all they can to get as much food stored away for the winter as possible, and that means cells you might normally expect to see brood in. So if you do open a colony for whatever reason now, it might look a little odd and a little bit worrying for the beginner beekeeper. But don't worry, The bees know best and will make space for the queen to lay in when they need to. It might be just a small patch to start with, or it might be a larger area covering a couple of frames. 
Honeybees have evolved to know what they need in terms of colony structure and will adjust to give themselves the best chance of survival through the winter that they can. Those that get it wrong may perish and the strongest will survive as ever, but with a little help we can get even the smallest colonies through. So my message to anyone out there that's just starting out on their beekeeping adventure and heading into your first winter maybe is don't worry. If you've treated them and fed them, they will probably have enough to get them through to the spring. And as I've said before, you can always feed some fondant for your own peace of mind. If you do decide to feed fondant, do check out Paul's website Modern Beekeeping for a great range of fondants called Apipasta. I use them regularly and our bees seem to do very nicely on it. No sponsorship here, just my top tip for some cracking fondant to get your bees through the winter. Oh, do remember to mention me to Paul when you order some. He'd be delighted to know, I'm sure. I'll put a link in the podcast notes to Paul's website. Moving on to my week in beekeeping, it's been another busy week. The introduction of Katie onto the team has meant I'm having to be on the ball with pictures each week. Actually, each day. Katie, as I mentioned, has joined us to help with our posting to social media feeds. Things like Facebook, Twitter and Instagram in particular. But this has meant I need to provide a steady stream of pictures of what we're up to so we can show you how things are progressing. You would think it's fairly easy to take a quick snap as you're bimbling along your day, but because it's not a habit, and with so many other things crowding into my mind, I tend to forget. A perfect point in case was the trip to get more propane gas and deliver some honey to one of our stockists earlier this week. A quick message round to the team and I get a reminder from Steph, don't forget to take some pictures for Katie. Sure, I say, what could be easier? Pete's volunteered to help me get the gas, so I pop over to the workshop, have a chat about the week with him, grab the empty gas bottle, strap it to the truck and off we go. Fast forward about 90 minutes and we pull up back at the workshop and just as I get out of the truck it dawns on me I haven't taken a single picture. We've driven to the garden centre, I've dropped off a honey delivery, driven to the gas supplier, who incidentally are as close to the sea as you can safely get without having to work out of a boat, driven back to the workshop, and only then has it occurred to me I need to take a photograph. You might have already seen it, the one where Pete is doing all the work and I'm taking a selfie. No change there then, Pete would say. Anyway, I don't know about you, but I get so easily sidetracked that taking these pictures constantly just seems to slip my mind. I don't know why I've been doing this whole social media thing for long enough now and I always need pictures for my presentations. So anyway, we did manage to get a couple of pictures taken and I've been grabbing pictures all week long, most of which will end up on Katie's desk, so do look out for them. This week has seen the removal of the first batch of treatments. Those are the Apitraz strips that were placed in the hives around six weeks ago. Although we don't inspect the bees when we remove the strips, it does give me a chance to have a quick look at what's going on in terms of quantity of bees and how the adult bees look generally. It's a kind of positive confirmation that all is well when you look down at the top bars and see every seam filled with bees and bulging capped honey at the top of the frames. I particularly like, or should I say I've grown to like, the clear flexible plastic cover boards. These are the ones that come with the Maysmore polyhives and the Honeypore polyhives. Lifting the roof 
and just standing for a few seconds before you remove that coverboard allows you to carry out a quick health check on the adult bees without disturbing them too much. I wasn't too impressed when I first started using them, but I have to say, the advantages now do seem to outweigh the disadvantages. Old dog, new tricks. It's one of the things I love about beekeeping. There's always something new you can learn or pick up that helps improve the way you keep your bees. A perfect example of this is the new honey sump and pump I've just acquired. I've no real knowledge of how to use these effectively, but I'm already getting help and support from my fellow bee farmers about what I should try and how I could adapt it to perform at its best. Hopefully, I can share this newfound skill and knowledge via videos for everyone else to enjoy and learn from. It's why I love using the video medium for all my beekeeping. I digress. Back to the Apitraz strips. Amitraz, the active ingredient in these strips, can allow some resistance to form in the varroa mites if not removed in good time. There is some flexibility in treatment times, but generally six weeks is the length of time the strips should be in the hive before removal. If they are in a little longer, it's not really a problem, but don't leave them in all winter. I guess I've removed around 50 treatments this week, dodging the showers and only really getting into the hives in the afternoons. Together with removing the treatment strips, I've been removing the feeders too. The bees have had a reasonable period of time with the sugar syrup on, and most have cleaned out all that I've given them. I've not kept the feeders continually filled with syrup, but I think most colonies have had at least 14 kilos of heavy syrup over the period, with some getting a lot more. Mix this with the ivy nectar that's been flooding in, and I think they'll be well set for the coming months. Talking of ivy, it's been a really good year for it. The bees love it, and the huge amounts of pollen going in show the bees to be well stocked up on this important source of protein. The ivy honey being stored is really quite dark and has a very unique smell, almost medicinal. I love it. The taste of the strong flavour can leave something of a bitter aftertaste sometimes, but I find if it's left in its bucket for a couple of months, that aftertaste seems to mellow. I wouldn't wonder if our native ivy isn't some kind of wonder honey with far-reaching medicinal benefits. Then again, it might just be a unique honey that has a certain marmite appeal. All I know is the bees gorge themselves on it, and for the most part it doesn't cause them any issues other than the occasional solid granulation problem. I removed the feeder from the top bar hive this week, along with the empty packets of fondant, completely cleaned and dry. I didn't inspect them, just removed the treatment strips by easing the top bars apart gently and sliding the strips out. Again, this colony has taken 14 kilos of heavy syrup and 3 kilos of fondant. I think this will be more than enough when all the ivy nectar is taken into account, but I'm working on a way to get a bag of fondant into them too, so I can keep them topped up, purely for my own benefit really. I'm sure they'll be fine, but I'll sleep better at night knowing that I have a little extra on top that they can access. I'm also thinking about how I can get some insulation onto the top bars too. Something simple, like a strip of Celotex insulation board on top of the top bars, but I'm still working on that one too. The top bar hive project has been really good fun this year. I'm in a lucky position in that I've had the time to devote to building a top bar hive and installing the colony in it. We've seen it develop nicely through the season, and I think the one thing we got absolutely spot on, and the reason 
this season has been so successful with them is getting the hive exactly level in the apiary. This, I believe, allowed the bees to draw down the comb from the top bars in a nice straight line, along the top bars and not across them. This then allowed me to inspect them without the problem I've seen before of bees building comb across the top bars and it having to be cut out. One of the changes I would make for next year relates to the top bars. We attached a large triangular piece of wood to the underside of the top bars to try to encourage the bees to draw the comb down along the length of the bar. I think it worked, but the bees didn't build completely across the bar. Rather, they built down, but it just seems a bit narrow. Next year, we're going to try a much smaller section and see how that works out. I would say though, if you're keen to try a top bar hive for whatever reason, don't be put off by other beekeepers telling you it's either difficult, troublesome, unproductive or really any other reason. It's given me a lot of pleasure this year and I intend continuing with it next year. The plan is to split the colony and make some kind of artificial swarm in order to create two colonies in the one hive. I'm a little concerned I might have to ask Pete to build another one, but this time I think I'll try something other than pallet wood. It was okay, but a little irregular, and I think that might ultimately cause some problems. Talking of building this winter, I'm still trying to come up with another project. It's looking likely to be a long hive, similar to the top bar hive, but using frames this time. A kind of wooden bee house, maybe. That will have to wait until we get cracking on the cleaning, though. Now we have the gas refill, it's time to get some water heated and wash out all those feeders. Washing kit is a bit of a chore for me, but better to get it done now and out of the way than leave it and find syrup has gone mouldy, making it harder to clean. Then there's the frames to boil. Lots and lots of frames, but that's for another week. I've promised myself we'd get it all done before the end of the year this time. And now that I've made that public, I guess I really should get on with it. Well, that's it for this week. Links to the relevant information will, as usual, be in the podcast notes. But until next week, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Sweet.